Did you know that the Our Urban Voices podcast is an outreach ministry of the Heart for Muslims Conference? Our vision is to promote love for Muslims and eliminate the fear of Islam. Join us this year on Saturday, November 5th at Trinity Baptist Church in Manhattan, New York. We will be focusing on the power of proximity, how your location, culture, and shared experiences can bring Christ to Muslims. Hear from Muslim ministry practitioners and connect with like-minded Christians. Find all the details at heartformuslims.com. You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. In this podcast, we cover everything from churches and church planting efforts, mission and missions organization evangelism, and unreached people groups, emerging movements and initiatives, justice, current events related to faith, and the persecutors to author interviews, and more. Let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Our Urban Voices. I am Chris Claim, and I'll be your host today, not Alphonse Javid. Alphonse, you know, uh, he has previously interviewed me for this podcast. The tables are turned now, Alphonse. And you might know this, but Alphonse has a very unique perspective on many topics due to his incredible background Today, you're going to get to learn more about his journey from hatred to love for Muslims. Alphonse is currently the senior pastor of First Baptist Metuchen, New Jersey. Jersey. He's the founder of the Heart uh, for Muslims Conference and Resources and Aid Mobilization in Pakistan. He holds three, at least three, postgraduate degrees, was born and raised in Pakistan. Plus, you'll even get to hear a joke from Alphonse himself. I uh, just introduced myself. I'm Chris, co-founder, associate director of Global Gates, evangelical mission organization, mobilizing prayer missionaries for the most unreached people group communities in North America. I'm also in the executive team of Heart for Muslims Conference. All right, Alphonse, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. It's Fantastic. Fun. I, well, I want to hear know... all about, I get to, I get to do this with everybody else today. I'm like a little bit nervous. I want to hear how I'm going to. I'm going to respond to questions. How I'm going to control my thoughts. It's so much easier to just say a word or two. and. Just I know you have push. thoughts. You just write books, but this that's, has that's to be right. concise. It's different. So first, I love. I know you love talking about your family. So tell us about your family. Sure. Um, uh, I have four children. I'm married to Sarah, my wife, and uh, uh, she is from upstate New York. And uh, uh, we have known each other for 16 years. Wow. And uh, now we have uh, four children um, and my oldest is five, then four. And then my second, second boy is four. And then uh, I have twin girls, beautiful, gorgeous little cuties who will be two in September. So, yeah, we have uh, four under five and it's fun. And Javid's house is I love family. And you were not raised in upstate New York. You were raised no. elsewhere. So talk about your background. 
what was it like growing up as a Christian in an Islamic Republic in a, in a Muslim majority country? Sure. Um, well, uh, I was born in uh, Pakistan. And uh, um, as you know, Pakistan was uh, uh, still an extremely beautiful country with so much to offer to the world and some of the best uh, uh, philosopher, poets, uh, poets, and uh, uh, you know, musicians, and even uh, uh, Nobel Prize winners have uh, come out of Pakistan. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, in the 19, 1980s, everything changed under a um, mm. a regime, and it brought is Islam or uh, the idea of uh, um, the the regime was to Islamicize Pakistan, and therefore it became very. Um, extreme country and gradually minorities were uh, you know left to be to be just a, um, a people that nobody cares and uh, I grew up in that kind of environment I what age were you 80. at that time I was born in 80 okay 1980 so I was born into that uh, the first my, my formative formative years were under that regime so all I saw was uh, that kind of uh, uh, place where all you are hearing is uh, Islam is the only path. Uh, Muslims are the only people supposed to be, uh, you know, uh, they're supposed to be prevailing. They're supposed to be the leading. They are the only people that God loves and God likes, and they are God's people. And uh, I was uh, in my school, uh, and in the books, books were altered and the books were, uh, you know, mm. textbooks were teaching uh, everybody that, oh, Christians are uh, not, not worshiping God. They worship three God and Hindus are uh, worshipers of uh, multiple gods and the Jews are uh, come out of uh, pig, uh, sorry, um, Abes and, and, and all mm. kind of bad stuff. A lot of a lot of hatred was preached. And uh, of course, a challenge to my own personal uh, believe to kind of like shook me to my core it might you know but when you are uh, a little kid and this is all you know and uh, you are treated as, uh, as somebody who's you know um, uh, not supposed to be in that country actually the meaning that we heard from day one were the, the meanings of Pakistan is la la illallah Muhammad Rasulullah which is mm. a creed which is not true uh, the meaning of Pakistan is Pakistan, a land of the pure, and even the, mm. the founder himself, he said it, Pakistan just turned 75, and his speech, first speech was that there is no, we're not going to treat you according to your ethnicity or your religion, go wherever you want to go and worship whoever you want to worship, but that's not the case, that's mm. not the case. Uh, my By the time I reached my teens, I was literally persecuted where, uh, you know, the guy just threw me on the floor and he was about to hit me with a um, uh, ice pick. And, hmm. uh, you know, God just uh, uh, delivered me because somebody else saw me and they're like, oh, I know this guy. That's hmm. not the guy you're looking for. And they're wow. like, oh, I'm sorry. I was looking for another Christian too. I wanted to kill another Christian, but you are the wrong Christian guy. Oh thinking. my goodness. Uh, so therefore they're like, okay, you can go now. And I was like, that kind of, you know, stuff when uh, in the street, you are not safe just because your, your, well, your life is, is meaningless because you're not Muslim. So with your, when you're Muslim, there is uh, a security, uh, you can get a job, you can all these kind of things like from minor day to day persecution to our real persecution when uh, 
you're running for your life. Uh, my dad been in prison for so many times for building mm. a church. Uh, when I'm running for my life, uh, hiding, and uh, all these kind of things are part of this growing up experience that changed my perspective uh, first on uh, Christianity and then later on Islam and then again uh, on uh, Christianity and Islam when I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So I say those kind of uh, things, uh, 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 you know, created um, hostility first against Christian God and then against Muslim God who uh, caused Muslim to treat me that way. So, mm. yeah. So you grew up in that environment that obviously has a, an effect on how you view Muslims throughout the world. Now we know that you have been involved with obviously a conference called Heart for Muslims, written books about uh, love for Muslims. What changed your perspective about Muslims from that point to where you're at today? I think it, it was, as I said, that is just that, that same thought that I always had against uh, Christianity in the early days, because my dad is a pastor in Pakistan. That's what mm. I, you know, it's a Christian family. So I heard about the gospel. I heard about this God who is loving and kind and cares and prides and all the other things. But yet the evidence was a, 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 the opposite to what I was taught, right? So there was no food. There's hardly any clothes and you're constantly on the run and they, your dad is always out. All kind of stuff just pointed me toward uh, this narrative that maybe that God is not the God that I, my, my mom and dad are talking about. Hmm. But Muslim God, on the other hand, was providing to, to all my friends and my classmates and all that. So that was the first thing, right? But then when the Lord changed my heart, it was one uh, at the age of 14, there was an attack on our church and mm. back in Pakistan. Bullet was flying. People got shot. It was awful. My, my dad is missing. My brothers are missing. My two brothers are missing. My mom is in the, out, out in the uh, street with my younger sisters who are very small little girls. And she is crying. And I arrive from my uh, grandparents' house. And as soon as I get there, I see this situation. And my first reaction was, Give me a gun. Uh, is there anybody who has a gun? I want to shoot back. All I want to mm. do is shoot back. I want to, I want to, I wanted revenge. That's all I wanted. But mm. nobody had a gun. Nobody had gave me a gun. Thank God there was nobody. Uh, mm. Otherwise, I would have been rotten in, in prison. Mm. Um, but thank God. And then I saw this, like from this, from the back wall, there was a little hole. I, I saw through this hole, the door, the main um, gate of the church opened for somehow it opened. And then I saw these bullets. I can, it, by this time it was already late night, dark. There was, it was dark out. So I saw bullets flying, like fire going from the bullets shooting through the guns. I can see them shooting. And then I see this guy, like almost like a movie. He just hmm. like, it just skipped him. He just like, oh my. <laughs> It's like that kind of scene. And I'm seeing that from this little, uh, you know, um, a missing brick place where they actually, when they construct a wall, they put these bamboos uh, to build a uh, ladder. So that's why this was missing. I'm seeing this. And I was like, it can't happen. This is impossible. They got to be God. God is protecting us. Oh, mm. God is here. And then I broke down. I said, Lord, if you are real, just deliver us from this. And mm. I commit my life to you, I will never, ever, ever, uh, you know, uh, go away. I will always follow you. God did wow. that. 
But with that, God also changed my mind too. When I arrived in, in the United States, that's where my heart was changed. Mm. First a few years, if you read my first book, it has a lot of that hatred based, not, not false. It's just because what I experienced, I just showed in that book. And it comes from uh, that section of people who preach uh, and practice hateful Islam. And mm. they, are, uh, they are preaching and uh, practicing terrorism. They do not uh, understand the dignity of life. Exactly what Zia and his government was trying to do in the 80s. Mm. And that's what I learned. That's what I saw. So I reported that. But then something changed in my own heart as I start to see Muslim being persecuted here, mm. the, being looked down upon. Even myself, when I saw people seeing me and, and, and treating me as if I was the enemy of this land. So I was not, I was not, uh, I was not taken as a friend of Pakistan, nor I was taken as a mm. citizen or friend of uh, uh, U.S. either. Here I mm. was treated as Muslim or Pakistani. Over there mm-hmm. I was treated as the um, a Christian and uh, possibly allied to America who's attacking Muslim lands. Oh, wow. So when you don't have any home and uh, you are the persecuted one, then you begin to understand the pain of others who are being persecuted, regardless of their ethnicity, background, and the, the cause for persecution. And that's just changed my heart. I said, okay, they got to be somebody who got to stand up for Muslims because mm-hmm. not all Muslims, the majority Muslims are. Are, are represented by a very small minority uh, when it comes to terrorism, f- fanatic thought, and all that. Majority Muslim, the Muslim that I grew up with, um, they are willing to share their meal. They are willing to do, mm-hmm. they, they live life. They are the one who show up when you need them. But then also I, I was victimized by Muslims uh, who were holding that the, the, the ice pick and trying to kill you, right? So those both type of people existed there. They exist here. So mm. that changed my perspective. And I, I, when, I, my, when God gave me um, a position in an in a influential church in Midtown Manhattan, I decided to pursue love and preach love. And mm. the, out of that, God brought you, a uh, couple of our friends to host this conference you are you and me uh, sat down you remember that uh, back mm-hmm. in uh, you know in those days we were in florida and so many of us were from metro and i said why we don't do this in new york oh let's do it <laughs> and we said even like 40 people will be a you know a victory and then god brought this amazing number so i think that changed my perspective my perspective was changed because i saw muslim as minority here just the way Muslims were treating, majority Muslims were treating minority Christians there, here, minority as minority, they were treated by other, mm. especially by Christians. When they were treated by Christians, it was hurting me because that was not gospel. Mm. I was hurting them by proclaiming something that was not godly. Mm. So it changed me. And then I start uh, talking about the love of Christ because that's the only thing that can change their heart. That changed my heart for Muslims mm-hmm. forever. Um, mm. So that's, that's pretty much what changed me, the love of Christ, the love of uh, Christ that brought him from heaven to earth and he died for our sins and he rose again, right? That same love that constrained him to that frail body or that caused him to empty himself and become nothing. Uh, that same agape mm. love, I think, uh, caused me to 
have a different perspective on my life. And also because of, I'm grateful now that I went through those experiences because it caused me to think differently and love mm. Muslims out of that experience, what, 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 what I saw and experienced. And you migrated to America after 9-11, is that right? That's correct, yeah. So you experienced all of the, the things that came from Americans post 9-11 towards Muslims. You experienced that towards yeah. yourself, gave yeah. you a new empathy towards Muslims. That's right. That's right. And then that led to kind of this other journey with, with Christ. Talk a little bit more about starting the Heart for Muslims conference. Why was that uh, an important thing for you to be a part of? Yeah, um, I think um, recently I saw a study, like not recently, two years ago, I saw a study and they said uh, conferences are that new method um, that is uh, influencing people. Um, now, th whether that is Christian conference or some other conference, it doesn't matter. But the idea is when people come together, when you have people like-minded or people who oppose your understanding, when they come together, there's a there's a place to discuss content or whatever that main reason that brought people together. For me, that was, as I said, that when we met in uh, Florida, Jackson's, I think that was, I forgot the name of the Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. Jacksonville, yeah. I saw this beautiful camaraderie. I saw a few people, very few people among millions of people trying to, um, trying to give a new narrative uh, opposing to mm. the prevailing narrative about Muslims. And they are seeing the immigrant or this, this huge number of Muslims in the United States as a threat. And uh, this group, small little group, is seeing that as an opportunity to love them and show them that we are different. And I also connected that back to my country or many other Muslim countries. There's over 50 Muslim countries where they're majority. I saw that as an opportunity. What if we, the church, what if we, the church, begin to love Muslims here mm -hmm. and they go back home or when they connect to their people back home, they share with each other like, no, 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 no. Christians are different. I experience them. They are treating us this way. Such an amazing, uh, you know, uh, uh, love that we have experienced in the mm -hmm. United States. Why can't we show that to Christians here in Pakistan or India or Saudi or Iraq or wherever they are from? So mm -hmm. when I saw that, that was part of the reason. But then other thing was, I was encouraged. I was just encouraged by this uh, small group of people, just with what they were doing. They was, they was kind of like a, a support group, mm -hmm. loving on each other. And they're sharing their what God, uh, what I think that God gave them as a, uh, you know, tools and techniques that been they they experimented with and they were working. They were they were hashing out like okay, what works, what doesn't work. Oh, this is great. And I was like, you know, we need this kind of platform. We mm -hmm. need this in New York. Metro New York has the largest, I think, one of the largest uh, uh, Muslim population in the world when it mm -hmm. comes to uh, Western world. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like. We need that. And when I spoke to you, it was both, both in a sense that you were, you brought uh, this missionary perspective and I brought this uh, loving, um, uh, loving perspective from a pastoral heart. I wanted to really mm -hmm. encourage the church to be the church. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I saw you as a mission agency, a parachurch doing the same thing. So why couldn't, 
then the thought was let's let's pull 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 connect these. those worlds exactly mm. what it would look like if the church becomes the church of jesus christ mm-hmm. and loves on them i think then we can change the world and it and it it's not only we are proclaiming uh, you know, uh, heart for Muslims because Jesus has heart for Muslims because we want to eliminate the fear of Islam and promote love for Muslims because Jesus loved them. But mm. it's also the element of equipping them. That's where parachurch ministries come in. Equipping Those them. practitioners mm-hmm. come in. So bringing them together became the reason. And a Muslim Next Door um, is the same way. The book is literally the book I wrote, Muslim Next Door, was uh, it's questions I collected over the first 12 years of my life as a missionary. Mm. People ask me questions. I put them down, put them down. And when I got into a uh, pastoral ministry, I was like, oh, even inside the church, people have the same questions. Okay. Mm. And I think even this year we are doing conference. Our whole main thrust of the argument is the power of proximity, how your culture, location, and shared experiences can bring Christ to Muslims. It doesn't matter where you live. If you're you're listening to, I just want to take advantage of this interview. If you're listening to the podcast and you do, let's say you don't have any Muslims in your close proximity, but I tell you, uh, the internet has brought people together. Mm-hmm. That is, it's amazing. And then Muslims are everywhere, especially if you are in an urban setting, you will find Muslim. In New York, we have it. In uh, Addison area right now, I'm in uh, Matachan, Addison area. We have a lot of Muslims here. They need to see God's people moving with God's love and uh, changing lives uh, um, here and around the world. They want to see that. They want to see that mm-hmm. with their eyes. So I, I think that's exactly why uh, in those early days, you and I, when we start talking, that's what we want to do. We wanted to encourage the church to follow Christ. We wanted to equip them and provide them opportunity to serve Christ, right? Yeah, it seems like most people, when they get interested in ministry with Muslims, because we don't know much, especially we didn't grow up in that sort of background where Muslim-majority country, you, you learn a whole lot to try to win arguments. Right. And there have been surveys done of thousands of Muslim background Christians. Why did you come to Christ? Never at the top of the list was apologetics, even though it might be good to know for your own confidence that you have the truth. Right. The number one reason always is the love of Christians, the love of Christ that got them interested in finding out the truth and light behind it. So, so important. Switching gears now to talk about the podcast, which is actually a subsidiary of Heart for Muslims, what prompted you to start uh, our urban voices and what does that actually mean? So our urban voices I was born in uh, the middle of pandemic and uh, um, we were so the conference um, you know conference is all about bringing people together and when you are limited <laughs> by by the uh, yeah. you know pandemic, uh, and you were not allowed to actually the you were forbidden to meet in in gathering uh, you know to gather people in a, in a location uh, we were forced to think create uh, creatively we were forced to uh, think uh, logistically how it will work out for us if we take this online so we did a conference uh, during the pandemic it was beautiful it was fruitful um, I got to hear so many wonderful stories uh, our mutual friends from uh, um, actually, they work for your organization. 
Um, they reported uh, several baptisms because during the pandemic from a Bangladeshi uh, mm. background, I got to hear all of those because of the conference. But then I realized, well, at least in person, we were able to connect and then follow through. And throughout the year, we were holding, hosting small events and doing mm. outreaches. But now we are limited. There got to be some sort of outreach we can do. And the best thing that I I, I, were, I came out of that um, that little um, you know um, change was I got to hear stories. I said, okay, stories matter. Stories matter. And why do mm. we just hear them in a conference and then they die? I mean, they don't. The stories don't die. Of if course, you weren't there, it's done. Yeah. Correct, it's gone. Mm-hmm. So the idea was, and around the same time, podcast was showing up everywhere. Everywhere it became a, itself is a what became a uh, you know pandemic. Everybody was on podcast doing some mm-hmm. sort of podcast. I was like, okay, all right, God is speaking very clearly that we need to envision a platform where we can become the voice. And then simultaneously around the same time, uh, 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 you know, the uh, George, uh, uh, you remember in New York, uh, it was awful after George Floyd's uh, uh, murder and it became a Mm. huge deal. Everybody was, uh, uh, we saw the protests in the streets. Mm -hmm. So that another issue uh, churches were divided over that. And I was like, I heard young people leading those Christian young people leading that. There was like all this uh, complicated issue with the BLM movement versus supporting black life and all that. I was like, you know what? This is amazing. Now I have this two things that I want to accomplish. I want to hear yeah. people who are making difference for the Lord Jesus Christ in urban setting, but it's uh, not only the people from Muslim background are coming to Christ, but also this is happening justice movement, uh, social justice or justice movement out of mercy of Christ is happening. And then I saw uh, testimonies of uh, church plants. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. perfect. We're going to pull all these things and we're going to start inviting people. And we're going to hear urban voices, our urban voices who are mm-hmm. practitioners, who are uh, working in the field, who are uh, trying to make a difference at least and pull these voices together and provide a platform. So there gotta be audience out there that's looking for these voices to come out of the urban you know, settings like New York City. So that's how the, the podcast was born. And I think uh, over the period of time, we have received good comments, it's growing. And mm-hmm. uh, it was about time that um, the staff thought that you know people need to know you too as a host. So <laughs> uh, there is nobody else uh, like uh, Chris. I was like, mm. perfect. Chris needs to come and interview me. And we well, I think one of the things that you've always done well is seeing the raising up the voice of of people who don't have natural platforms to have a voice. And so I think that is something very valuable that needs to come from the cities because our largest churches, really, you're seeing this increasingly in the Western context, the thriving spiritual centers of our cities are usually happening because of immigrants. It's not just Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and Sikhs and Jewish people coming here. Most migrants are actually Christians and they are spreading uh, their spiritual fervor and, and, and flavor into our into our cities. And so being able to give a voice to that phenomena is, is maybe what will save the American church. Amen. Uh, sometimes when we think about reaching the nations, we have this picture of the Indiana Jones type, you know, with the machete going through 
you know, translating the language on the side, you know, people that have never seen a foreigner, wherever, wherever that foreigner happens to be from, that's coming to give the gospel. Mm-hmm. Urban ministry doesn't look like that at all. So, so what makes urban ministry an important part of what God is doing globally? Well, let me say this. I have learned this from you when I landed in uh, New York City and God connected us. Uh, uh, those days I was working with the uh, uh, parachurch ministry, Hefspa House in uh, Upper, uh, you know, West Side. And um, we, God just brought us in, in this beautiful relationship uh, through the power of the gospel. We both loved missions, uh, loved the city. God has brought you from many experiences. God uh, gave me some of those too. And when we connected, uh, I got to learn from you. I mean, I, I saw this uh, book. You you put that together. Um, uh, ethnicity. Hold on. Ethnicity, right? No. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. The, yeah. The nation's tongues and faiths and that's the one in New York. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just went through that and I was like, man, this is amazing. It's New York City is not just a commercial hub. It's not just mm. a, uh, Wall Street and suits. It's more than that, it's not a uh, mover and shaker in politics of the world, but it is more than that. It's something great is happening here. And I, I went through those like, oh, that's my my people. Punjabis are there. Oh, mm. Pakistanis. Oh, my gosh. There is uh, a neighborhood, little Pakistan. If that's how I felt, think about other nations. Let's start looking at other. I mean, whole world was captured there in that book. Mm. I was looking at, I was learning about new, new um, uh, people group. Um, and I was like, and then I'm, because of my background in missions, I'm looking at the unreached people group. I was like, wow. So you don't have to go all over the world. God is bringing people right here in the city. And then I got, came across uh, Pastor uh, Tim Keller's uh, book too. Um, and he, his whole ministry approach was city centers. Mm-hmm. and uh, gateways uh, mm-hmm. your organization global gate is an example of that right mm-hmm. and all these got connecting and then i got I'm, I'm hearing from other practitioners ran into another brother that we mutually uh, a mutual friend of ours uh, boto and uh, and gradually numbers start growing and more and more people i'm seeing and they're talking about these cities urban cities mm-hmm. being the at the center of this new mm-hmm gospel movement um and i'm seeing that oh my my it's no longer you gotta leave from a port um on a boat to go somewhere it's the hub cities where people are coming and flying and all the other things that are happening and people are coming from other places even in united states the same thing people are coming from midwest south and everywhere else in new york city Mm. but then i also saw that the urban cities like New York cities are also uh, refuge cities. I did not know that. Mm. Being there, I realized that, oh, our law actually allows these uh, illegal immigrant or people who are persecuted and run for their lives to come and hide and be, take shelter. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if we focus on these people? And that's exactly what I mean. Brothers like you, who've been in those cities and uh, sowing the seed and connecting and sharing the stories that changed my heart. And I think that's the idea of urban voices too, that we want to get these voices out there so people can hear how God is changing nations because what is taking place, literally the United Nation is in New York City. Come on. Mm. 
right? Yeah. So you have these things right there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And then our job is to step in. So what makes urban ministry an important part of reaching nations? I think that because God is moving in that direction. God, God, God is doing many things. But in this time, right yeah. now, the season that we are in, I think that's what God is doing. I see when, him there. Yeah. When you talk about like the modern missionary movement since really William Carey, they talk yeah. about three major eras, you know, to the coastlands that kind of coincided with colonization. Then yeah. they were to the inlands of people like Hudson Taylor would be a symbol of that, of contextualization became important. Then you saw over the last 50 years, the rise of understanding of just not geography, but also distinct people groups and languages and how many would be hidden still. It does seem like we're moving into a fourth era of missions where all those other things are still realities, but we are becoming so globalized and urbanized and transnational Mm -hmm. that we have got to kind of raise up uh, what what does ministry look like in this new era and figure that out. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You have said much better than I would have been able to articulate. You've said so well. And I think that's precisely why we need to serve. We need to share this. The, 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 the conversation we are having, I hope somebody hear this and God moves his or her heart and they end up in New York City. You know, <laughs> I heard, you, you know, this, um, I, I'm sure you know, this guy, he wrote, writes is a, a friend. I consider him a friend. He's a missiologist, uh, uh, Bart Pick, and he wrote this book and he calls that uh, urban jungle. He, he mm-hmm. gives the idea of urban jungle that we live in, in those days, primitive, you know, jungles, you will go there and talk to those people and do the things. But now we live in urban jungles. This, these are the, this is the place where we need to invest and you don't need, uh, uh, maybe the methodology has changed too. Now we need, what we, we're looking at is maybe we need to put people in a, a fin- financial district where they mm-hmm. are, uh, rubbing shoulders with with men and uh, women who are pursuing a different God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we need to pursue God. Same thing with just as it is important to talk to a Muslim person um, in Brooklyn or somewhere else, is or a Hindu person in Jackson Heights or a Sikh person. Same thing I think is true for uh, those folks who are considered one percent. They yeah. need Jesus too. Yeah, and where are they? They are in the cities. So talk real quick about the uniqueness of Muslim ministry in the urban context and the importance of kind of understanding the urban context for reaching Muslims. I think when you have, uh, it goes, goes back to what you're, we already discussed that God is bringing people here, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, almost... Uh, um, Whatever I see, whether I'm looking at Bombay or London, New York City, of course, um, Detroit, we are seeing a large number of Muslims coming together, large. And why do they come together? Because, of course, if I'm coming from Pakistan, I'm going to look for a Pakistani community. Why? Okay, well, one, I'm going to the language or culture, food. And then I can even if if, if I'm if 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 I'm not. uh, well-educated, still I'm going to find something because uh, the businesses are owned by other Muslims. And so if a Muslim person comes, that's where it's gonna, they're going to go and they're going to settle. Two, 
these are the people back home. And I think you uh, may remember that episode where you share with me that these folks, when they go back, I had the same conversation with a couple of other uh, uh, mm-hmm. guests on, on the podcast too. And the idea was when these Muslims, when they, these Muslim people come to Christ, then when they first time here, because back home, they're not allowed to mm-hmm. talk about Jesus. Evangelism is forbidden. Discussing spiritual in spiritual manners, discussing Jesus is forbidden. Yes, Jesus is a prophet. Yes, Jesus is a good man. Yes, you got to believe in Jesus, uh, but not believe him as savior because you don't need a savior. Why you don't need a savior? Well, you don't, you don't have a original sin. You have original forgiveness. All these things been mm-hmm. part of their culture, part of their lives. And it doesn't make sense to them when uh, um, Christians are living in awful circumstances in majority Muslim world, that why should I even consider Christianity? But when mm-hmm. they come here, there's an open door. They see yeah. different way. There's a liberty to think, speak, which mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for. May mm-hmm. the Lord continue to bless America and, and help America to be that leader in that mm-hmm. you know freedom of speech and all that. But th- this is an important point, in my, I think, uh, in all these conversations, when these folks hear about Christ and they go back to their countries, even if they are here just uh, uh, putting gas in 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 New Jersey, almost every um, you know in New Jersey they they put gas in your in your car. Mm-hmm. So even if they have that job, but back home they are treated like you Royal know. Team. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So they are people want to listen to them. They are the boss. They are the whether that is because oh this guy made it to the best country in the world and therefore mm-hmm. or maybe like my dad my dad will host every person coming from america in the hope that one day this person will help his children to get to america it <laughs> didn't materialize in that uh-huh. but hope was there so whatever uh-huh. reason they will treat him like oh he's here mm-hmm. and this is it's a universal truth in a third world country they mm-hmm. want good for their children so they keep these kind of connection but these connection allow them to hear from the person yeah um and i think these things are making difference i heard story from you how uh, actually it would be nice if you share that story where this you know uh, you found out that about this muslim in this muslim tribe muslim country in this small tribe the guy came to christ in at heart for muslims and then he ended up uh planting a church or leading that so stories like this, uh, these are becoming a uh, norm now. I'm hearing more and more of these kind of stories where people are going back in their countries. Yeah, it's not like you have to convince people of this strategy. It's just something they are doing. And so it's planting yourself where these the influence is flowing from the cities and the communication channels back to the least reached areas and peoples of the world. Uh, it is happening and we're learning more and more each day as, as it naturally happens. I know most of your guests here on Our Urban Voices are Christian, not all of them, but why do you think it's important to talk about things like South Asian dance and skiing in a sari or the sport of cricket as part of the podcast's overall emphasis on urban ministry? Well, think this way. People are people groups are defined by not just their language, just their language, but also their tradition, what makes them that group, right? What they do, what they eat, what they wear, 
Um, and those things are in ways to connecting people. So if uh, when you see a sari, if you, you are somewhere, let's say in South Dakota and suddenly mm -hmm. see somebody in sari, immediately mm -hmm. you know that, oh, that's not, oh, wow, that's different. That sari person represent a whole nation. Sorry for our that. listeners is a, what is a sari? Oh, sari is a outfit that women wear in in India, Sri Lanka, mm -hmm. Bangladesh, even in Pakistan. So they they say women outfit, uh, a dress for women. Mm -hmm. So simple thing like that is just unique, is different, but that's how most people in India dress. I mean, yeah. most women dress. Yeah. But that's also a good place where we talk about uh, difference, but also. Um, uh, something that is uh, unique and uh, that brings us together. And when uh, uh, we bring a, a person who is talking about culture, I think culture allows us to um, talk about their urban, because these things are uh, dance, for example. We had somebody uh, who, 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 that's what they do, dance. Punjabi, mm -hmm. Bengali, that mm -hmm. kind of dance, because that's part of culture. Music brings people together. Sports bring people together. So whatever brings people together that allows us to have conversations, even spiritual conversations in those gatherings. So when we bring people together, we are look from these different um, backgrounds, whether that's based on sari or dance or cricket, we're mm -hmm. looking at what connects people, what unites people, what there is so much hatred, so much mm -hmm. hatred, but is there a way to call them and say that, Hey, you, you, do you, do you love cricket? Oh yeah, I do. But just, <laughs> you look at like uh, odd people go to a baseball game and uh, they are just having fun. They come out like, Oh yeah, they're so excited. They yeah. don't know each other, but because of that game, now they're connected. They have yeah. a communication yeah. and all of that uh, we hear their hearts yeah. Uh, we are able to hear their voices, their problems, their challenges, what they love, mm. they, what they don't. Mm. I think that's what, one of the reasons why we connect these voices, because all of these cultural things we do and habits and rituals we have, all of this makes us human and mm -hmm. connects us as people. So urban voices is not just like, oh, all I'm going to do is I'm going to sit here and talk about Bible. No, I want to hear other people, what makes them um, excited about God or creation or as a community? What is the, is there any in way? Is there a way that I can start a com communication? Is there a way that probably become a uh, point of conversation? If the person likes, likes cricket, for me, yeah. if I want to reach out to a Hindu person or a Muslim person, maybe that's the place. That's, that's my in way. I want to. It's like those little learn. cultural cues, symbols, dresses, all those things open up door. They're just begging out for you to ask, what is this? Yes. And so you as a Christian can go, hey, what? They started this, the, the conversation for you by wearing it and being distinct around what, what is it that you're playing? What are you wearing? And then you're able to go, wow, oh, you know, tell me more about your story. And because you're interested in their story, they're going to show interest in your story as well. And that's yeah. when you really kind of get into deeper, deeper levels of conversation. Exactly. And life. Absolutely. That's and life. As we begin closing out this episode, is there anything else you'd like to add to this conversation? I will. Uh, yes, I, I do. Actually, I think uh, there are way too many things that divide us way too many things. I mean, you can 
simple thing. I'm, I, I have iPhone right, right here. Uh, and it's an older version. Um, and yet yesterday I had a good friend. He was like, uh, he had Android. And I was like, oh man, the iPhone is this and that. He's just going on and on on that. And he's praising. So small things even divide us. Small things. Churches mm-hmm. are the same way. Uh, the world is the same way. It's the whole world is divided over things. But there is, there's always in the middle midst of this old division that divides us. There's so many things, right? But there are always, there's there small little things that unite us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is what I'm hoping that urban voices will, will share. Uh, perhaps people, those who live outside the city um, need to hear something from that voice, whether it's a Muslim voice, a voice of a church planter or a voice of a, a, um, a Hindu girl who uh, loves uh, a dance and sharing her cultural background. I don't know what it is, but I think mm-hmm. there gotta be something that will connect us, whether it's the, it's the love for music, dance, cricket, mm-hmm. love for people. For me, uh, if I think about uh, um, Heart for Muslims, um, it's uh, my unique experiences that God led me through. So that's what I'm hoping uh, to just, that's the only thing I want to add that uh, there are so many things that divide us, but there are very few things that unite us. And if we could, mm. if we could come along and just pinpoint those and, and, and bring that voice, mm. you know, little, turn that voice a little bit louder yeah. uh, so people can hear out loud that, Oh, okay. Yeah. That something. So I, I, that's something that urban voices is doing. It's just turning the volume a little bit and putting the spotlight on those uniting things. I'm not, uh, this show is not about uh, dismissing the awful things that are happening in uh, all sure. around. It's not to dismiss those things. No, no, no. But there's something always that can unite. That's the focus. We just putting the focus on what unites us. It's easy to hate people you don't know, but when you hear, have relationships, hear stories of people, even if they have totally different cultures, you're going to find something you resonate with, with everyone. And that brings us together. Hey, Alphonse, if listeners want to get in touch with you or find your books, what are the easiest ways for them to do that? So right here on, uh, uh, when you send us a, um, a text or email or anything through Urban Voices web- website, Twitter, Facebook, it comes to us. Uh, it will come to the staff and uh, you know eventually to me but you can always uh, uh, just search my name and you will find uh, either you can connect me with me through twitter uh, regularly i tweet um, then you can also um, connect with me through our uh, if it's official capacity if it's a conference or a show or anything like that uh, we have a form on um, um, on my personal website alphonsejave.com also on that same website, you can find my books, alphonsejave.com. Simple. Great. And I know uh, you talk about a lot of heavy urban things. And I was one of your first guests on this podcast. And you said, hey, I want you to tell you a joke. Want me to tell you a joke? I had no idea. I wasn't ready. Didn't have my dad jokes ready, but you've been prepared. So to close this out, tell us a good joke. Okay. My joke is super simple, easy one. This is my joke from uh, six, uh, 16 years ago. When I met my wife and she's, I don't know why she said this, but so it's it been our inside joke and it's like, doesn't make sense, but it's a good joke. So knock, knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange who? Orange juice.
I have no clue. That's the joke. She laughs. I, I hope somebody else finds it uh, amusing. And now my boys laugh on that one too. Mm. I don't know. You see, you're disappointed. I know. I know, man. But that's okay. the joke. That's good. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the your own show, Alphonse Javid. Again, I'm Chris Clayman. That was your host, pastor and author, Dr. Alphonse Javid. Thank you to all our listeners. We truly could not do this without you. If you learned something, have a suggested topic for us to cover, would like to leave us feedback, drop us a note at oururbanvoices.com. That's oururbanvoices.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show. Leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcast. And tune in next week because Alphonse is back as a guest. I'll be hosting him as well as we talk about his perspective on Muslim ministry. Thank you. You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Please check back for new episodes every week.